is happening to the surface of the planet Earth and to the living systems here in the Central Valley of California. I am Pegasus, your host for Peril and Promise, KCBP's half-hour weekly show regarding environmental injustice and human recovery from health hazards in California. In every episode of Peril and Promise, you'll hear about important environmental issues which are intertwined with our physical and mental health. Everyone in the Central Valley of California is impacted by the stories you'll hear in Peril and Promise. Today on Peril and Promise, we'll hear from young environmental activists with whom I connected while on vacation in Utah's polluted Salt Lake Valley. The hope is for our local youth climate activists to feel the solidarity with similar folks in the movement in Utah. Our Central Valley rivals Salt Lake City's poor air quality, so there's a definite similarity between human health impacts there and here in the San Joaquin Valley of California. We'll hear from four young activists surviving in that polluted valley basin. Tess, Carl, Aiden, and Ryan. The youngest person is part of the weekly school strike, Fridays for Our Future. But first we'll hear from Carl Moore, who opened up the rally for clean air in the valley through a prayer and acknowledgement of the indigenous folks native to that portion of the Mountain West. But I, I want to acknowledge the, the land that we're on. I want to acknowledge um, our Ute relatives um, who have been pushed over there to reside there in that reservation. I want to re- uh, acknowledge our Shoshone relatives who have been pushed up that way to reside there. I also want to acknowledge our Goshi relatives who have been pushed over there to reside there, our Dene relatives down south and our Paiute relatives south and over there. So um, with that, uh, you know, acknowledging them, acknowledging um, their, their rights to existence and their stewardship over their land. So again, my name is Carl Moore. I'm with um, Pandos and SLC Air Protectors. And- That was Carl Moore, an indigenous activist in the Salt Lake City region of Utah. He was the first speaker at a rally which was drawing attention to the perils caused by pollution makers and pollution protectors, such as irresponsible governments. And the press conference also highlighted the promise of civilian activism. I then talked with Tess, a high school student who has been grappling with the peril of pollution. I'm here with Tess, who's still in high school in Utah, right? Yeah, my name is Tess Carson. Being uh, only an adolescent, a teenager, rather than somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, um, you haven't had a lot of time on the planet to do a lot of damage to the environment. But do you remember the first time at what age you were when you realized that people that were older than you had mismanaged resources and were causing problems? I guess it was like when I was really young, I just, um, I was kind of surrounded by like, a lot like the environment and just people around me that cared about the environment. And I realized about like probably around 12, I realized about the oil and fracking industry in the coal mining. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brought me into like understanding what in the past generations, what's been going on. And mm-hmm. then in this past, like this past year, I've just been doing a lot of research into how our country has evolved and how the world has evolved by itself. And, and it's basically, it's the past generations doing what they thought was right. And now in the 21st century, I mean, you can't be doing what. So with your recognition that, um, that the way that humanity behaves regarding um, problems we're causing for the environment, when you recognize that, how did that lead to what you do pretty much every Friday these days during the school year? And you can explain that Fridays for the future as well. 
So Friday Fifth Future was started by Greta Thunberg, and uh, this is in Sweden, and she started protesting the Swedish parliament because there wasn't enough action being taken on the climate issues and the climate um, destruction that's been going on for, for many years. How did uh, your awareness that uh, resources were being mismanaged lead to what you've decided to do on Fridays? I started out from veganism because about the animals, and I was just really curious about how, like, the mystery of animals over the past hundreds of years, and then that brought me into the environmental impact of it, and uh-huh. how just animal agriculture has affected the, our environment today, and then that brought me into the, um, the oil and gas industry and how that affects our daily lives every day, especially in Salt Lake, with the air quality and the transportation that goes on. Uh-huh. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with the youth climate justice activist named Tess, who goes to her local state capitol building every Friday. And Tess, what is your group trying to do there? Trying to get our politicians and policymakers to understand our cause and what we believe in. How long has this been going on? What what year did it start? Well, it started, Greta Thunberg started it in 2018, I believe, and it's been going on in Salt Lake for about a year and a half. Why keep going to that building year round? So we go to that building because it's like the main building of where decisions are made in our um, state. We do, like, there are different um, areas. Like, there's um, people go to, like, the county building. And um, I guess right now, since the reason we go to the Capitol is because of the legislative session that's going on. There's obviously people working at that building outside of the legislative session. So what I'm uh, mm-hmm. thinking about is, like, when you're outside the building and demonstrating with picket signs, um, that has a statement to the public and to the media, but do you guys go inside the building and lobby or have any uh, dialogue at all with the folks working? Yeah, we do. Um, a lot of the time, the legislators will come out and they will talk to us, but we do hold like um, bigger strikes. Uh, on December 6th, we held a national strike, and on September 21st, there was a huge um, worldwide strike. And um, we do, like, reserve spots in the rotunda and on, like, the south step. And we get a lot more media coverage there. Got it. Um, Now, globally, or, yeah, in this movement of Fridays for the Future, uh, there's some students uh, that are still required, in the United States at least, to to go to school um, when, you know, regular hours. And are there any students, Mm -hmm. either in Utah or other states, who are not going to school, who are actually doing the, the civil disobedience of truancy. Yes, so we actually, um, it used to be from 11 to 2. I think there's being like a shift for after school, or, or like the second half of school, because students in the U.S., it's been harder for them to leave school, I guess. I mean, the truancy thing, is it's, it's basically the statement that we want to make is that um, we'd rather give up our education for the greater good of our future. You're only given up one day of education because nobody's out there. I don't know if Greta Thunberg was doing it or anybody's doing a, a all year long strike. I don't know anyone right now because everyone I know is very young that do, does that. But I mean, there's probably people that do. Right. And this is a national movement, as we'll hear from you in a minute after a quick break.
You are tuned in to Peril and Promise. I am Pegasus on the phone with Tess, who first got involved in late 2019 when national student strikes were especially well attended on September 20th, November 1st, and December 6th. Along with young activists like Supriya Patel in Sacramento and Chandini Brennan Agarwal in Los Angeles, Tess, Ari, Aiden, and Ryan are part of the youth movement in at least 1,300 communities in the nation holding Fridays for Future, away from school where weekly or monthly some of the youth are able to come without risking truancy, others come after school, and a few are doing civil disobedience by not going to school on Friday afternoons. Now, Tess, I know you're lucky that your school allows you some freedom to not be present on campus, but do you know other kids locally who have been prevented from joining your group at the state capitol? Other uh, students who have had to face... Actually, yeah, I do. I know a a young girl, I think in fifth grade, in elementary school, wouldn't allow her to skip school on Fridays anymore. So she's been striking at her school and not at the... Not joining the other students at the Capitol building. That's a good statement of courage. It's like a, sometimes it takes that where people have to be willing to, like Rosa Parks or anybody else through history that's taken that courageous step that nobody else has done yet. So she's probably the first student mm-hmm. at her school to do that. So as you said, there's only about five students at your school that do it, the Fridays mm-hmm. for Our Future. And uh, how many students in general show up each Friday? In other words, including other schools. I would say like it would be around 25 kids. And not even just kids. There's a lot of adults. A lot of people from the U come down mm-hmm. and participate. And um, what kinds of effects are you seeing? Is there any other than just the goodness of standing up and saying, we want something different? Which, is, mm. which has integrity in and of itself, of course. But um, is there any yeah. ripple effects? Is there any uh, progress that you're seeing or, or, or awareness being raised, at least? Yeah, there is a lot of awareness between the politicians. They've actually, um, at first they didn't really come out and speak to us. But now they've just passed like a, a plan for Utah itself just to keep it on a healthy track. And then as well as, um, a few years ago, there was a few students that did activism, and um, they got Utah to recognize climate change. So. Uh-huh. And socially speaking, um, with other students, do, do people hold you in high regard for your courage, or do they um, disrespect you at school? Um, I would say that it's about 50-50. I have kids that come up to me, make fun of me, and give me crap about being like, the climate changes every day, like, see, like, one minute it'll be sunny, one minute it'll be cloudy, but, and there, but there's also people that really support it, and they really, like, understand, like, how hard it, it can be, especially skipping school, to just fight for something you believe in. Yeah, in your opinion, it seems like it's about 50-50, because in the middle of school, I mean, I just know how it is for, for youth, and how, how cruel other students could be to each other in mid-school and high school, even. And so uh, I want to commend you for your courage of being able to continue to do this. Again, what year did you start? What, when, what month did you start? In the beginning of October. I didn't really, I always wanted to do it, but I didn't know like how to get involved. And then one day I was just like, I'm to go. And then I, I went. All right. Excellent. That courage to be able to, to just say, I got to find this out and jump for it. That's good. Good news. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being an inspiration. Are there any uh, advice you have for people that might be interested in doing this, other students? I would say just go for it. I mean, the community that I have built and that I have found with these people and any other activism group that I've been involved with, like the community, 
there is just it's amazing and you're never gonna find anything like it ever. it's like i didn't even know that was even possible <laughs> oh that's beautiful do you have any uh resources like a, a website or social media hashtags that people can find out more information yeah. or get involved yeah for sure um you can find it on instagram at um Fridays for Future Utah, Facebook Fridays for Future Utah, and also Twitter. You can also follow like the worldwide site. Do you, do you have the worldwide site? Yeah, it's Fridays for Future. So thank you very much, Tess, for your time today. Thank you. As she said, FridaysforFuture.org is a place to find more on the movement and get inspired on amplifying such voices here in the Central Valley. If you're just joining us, I am Pegasus, and we have three recorded conversations with young activists talking about climate chaos and illogical abuse of the environment, such as shipping coal from Utah through California to foreign markets overseas. The high school student you just heard is named Tess. Before we hear from a young adult from the Center for Biological Diversity, Here's a snippet of one of Tess's comrades named Ari at a rally for sanity in environmental management coordinated by the Center for Biological Diversity. We cannot step on and talk over people who are on the front lines in rural communities. We must work with people who are currently working in the fossil fuel industry to ensure that a just transition brings well-being for them, their finances, families, communities, and culture. That's a fraction of a speech by Ari, one of the youth climate activists with FridaysForFuture.org, given at a press conference and rally organized by Ryan Beam. Here's Ryan talking about the California-Utah connection of coal mining and transport. Yeah, I work with the Center for Biological Diversity as a public lands campaigner, and uh, one of the main things that I do out here in Utah is pay attention to these public bodies called the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition, as well as the Community Impact uh, Fund Board. And what those public entities have been doing here is using our public money to try to build fossil fuel infrastructure. Uh, the kind of overall scheme is to dig up every last fossil fuel in Utah and get it out of the state, out of the country, for anywhere money. that'll burn it. Anywhere that'll burn it and pay lots of money for it. Sure, yeah. I mean, the corporations stand to, to really get the payout here, right? Yeah. But the state in Utah is effectively kind of doing their bidding. Got it, yeah. And then what about the population, the people that have to breathe the air here? Yeah, we have tremendous air pollution problems uh, all along the Wasatch Front, which is where the majority of folks live in Utah, as well as out in the Uinta Basin, which is the primary oil and gas producing region in Utah. Uh, rural area, but they breathe worse air out there than, than yeah. L.A. in a lot yeah. of days. Our show is, uh, airs mostly in the Central Valley of California, and that area has often got worse air quality than L.A. too. It's the same sort of inversion that happens Anyway, um, so the Seven County uh, Coalition... It's basically the top fossil fuel producing counties in the state. Are they all adjacent? Um, some of them are kitty corner. It's kind of, it's more or less the northeast corner of, of Utah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. And uh, more that you have to say about the coal going to California or the plans to, to get it out of California. Sure, yeah. Namely, um, so I mean, they're trying to get get all of these commodities out overseas, right? So the oil that they're trying to send out would go out through the Gulf Coast. Uh, the liquefied natural gas, um, it's looking like they're trying to send that through uh, Mexico now. Um, but Utah does now export coal through the Bay Area um, mm -hmm. and is trying to increase those exports. So there's a proposed coal export terminal in Oakland 
um, that the Community Impact Board, this Utah body here, has set aside $53 million to subsidize. Um, luckily, folks in Oakland have been able to fight that back Good. Um, thus far, but you know, lawsuits are still ongoing, and that money is waiting in the wings here in Utah. Uh-huh. So what hope is there for civilian activism in this realm? There's a lot of hope for change in Utah. Um, you know, there's a healthy, uh, healthy climate justice movement out here. There's some really encouraging initiatives at all levels happening in Utah. Um, and, and things are changing. Whether or not the folks that sit on these boards and keep channeling all of this money to the fossil fuel industry like it or not, things are changing. Coal is on its way out. Um, oil will follow. And uh-huh. so will fracked gas. Well, thank you, Ryan, for your time. Yeah, thank you. That was Ryan Beam, an organizer with the Center for Biological Diversity. We now turn to Aiden, another young climate justice activist I met at the rally and press conference opposing further decimation of Utah's environment through fossil fuel extraction and export. Aiden, we just heard from Ryan Beam that Utah is planning to increase its coal exports through California to be purchased by overseas nations. Your group, called Rising Tide, has chapters both in California and Utah, and in both of these states, your activism can shine a light on the misbehavior of the coal industry, right? I mean, can you explain more about your position with Rising Tide? Sure. Uh, I organize with Wasatch Rising Tide. Uh, We are a local chapter here in Utah of uh, Rising Tide, which is an international group that started in in the Netherlands about a decade ago. So we're a large, decentralized group of nonviolent direct action takers uh, based on environmental issues. Do you know how many other states uh, Rising Tide is in in the United States, or the western states at least? Uh, I actually don't. I hope it's all of them, though. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, And what's the nexus between um, Rising Tide and Fridays for Our Future? So I have have friends involved in each now, and... um, we, we seek to support young uh, social activists, climate justice activists in the area um, because we, you know, we consider ourselves young activists too, but we're, we're getting to the, uh, the stage where we can't really call ourselves young activists like these, these kids now. Um, so Fridays for Future is largely school kids, uh, minors, and... Um, right, the, the young folks that are mandated to go to school before age 18, right. then resisting to go to school is different than college students. I mean, there's still a moral power when college students or students of any age are doing it. Exactly, exactly. People really don't seem to care about truancy of, of college students, but uh, when it comes to school kids uh, who are supposed to get this uh, supposedly necessary learning, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely packs a punch for them to... to strike for the climate for rising tide or other kinds of organizations the sierra club is one of the groups uh, represented here today Mm -hmm. what are the the challenges and who who do we appeal to where do we go as civilians to try to get change to happen faster Mm. to stop the climate chaos that these uh, extractive companies are doing Mm. yeah um that 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 comes down to uh how much you want to get involved uh there's uh, you can you can look up any sort of rally or protest going on locally for you, and and simply showing up, simply being a body there is is really great to have that presence. Uh, for media coverage, is is really awesome to to be a loud protester to uh, to chant and, and sing along. Um, but then you have a group here outside the D- Department of Workforce Services, this 
really grim sort of nondescript building yeah. that um you know you wouldn't think that this is the place where where things happen but uh if you look into local projects in utah this is where uh a lot of the the power is being wielded right so in a similar way in our bioregions of california we could hold demonstrations rallies and pickets at offices where climate offenders are ensuring climate chaos if you you know look into your local projects and uh get down to the organizations that uh-huh. that are actually deciding things showing up there to those buildings yeah. to those people that is that is a way we could leverage our power for sure got it thank you aiden for your time today sure thanks you mm-hmm. let's make a short break in the conversation while we listen to carl moore singing a prayer to the creator at the climate activist rally in salt lake city Welcome back to Peril and Promise. In the background, you can hear Carl Moore singing a prayer at the Climate Activist Rally and press conference that was the source of most of today's program. Before the break, we heard from Aiden and Ryan out in Utah regarding the kinds of activism that are useful both in California and Utah. Both young men finished their interviews on a positive note, and I just want to reiterate what Ryan said earlier regarding the market forces which are driving coal, oil, and fracked gas to the margins, despite the apparent peril posed by governments which hold fast to allowing those industries to continue at this tenuous time in global climate history. Here's another positive note, a note of promise in this age, spoken by Ryan Beam at the Climate Activist News Conference. Again, it's Ryan Beam of the Center for Biological Diversity. Time ...and dumping fuel on the climate crisis. But we are here calling also for a better path forward because we know it's possible and we are already helping to create it. We know that we can usher in a just transition away from fossil fuels that doesn't leave communities behind. You're tuned into Peril and Promise. This is our 20th episode since we began on KCBP 95.5 FM in California Central Valley a few years ago. Earlier in today's show, we talked about current and past student strikes since Greta Thunberg inspired the international youth climate justice movement in the past two years. At the time of this recording, we're expecting even more youthful activists to mobilize all around the United States and beyond for Earth Day weekend, April 22nd to 24th. Earth Day will be a Friday, which is perfect for the Fridays for Our Future movement of ditching school on Fridays to agitate that adults, including lawmakers, push it to high gear for dealing with climate chaos and other existential threats from human activities hurting our environment. Since much of this young activism was inspired by youth around the globe, seeing the passionate speeches of Truth to Power given by Greta Thunberg, here's a bit of prophetic truth-telling by last year's Time Magazine Person of the Year, Miss Greta herself. I am here to say our house is on fire. According to the IPCC, we are less than 12 years away from not being able to undo our mistakes. In that time, 
unprecedented changes in all aspects of society needs to have taken place, including a reduction of our CO2 emissions by at least 50%. And please note that those numbers do not include the aspect of equity, which is absolutely necessary to make the Paris Agreement work on a global scale, nor does it include tipping points or feedback loops like the extreme powerful methane gas being released from the thawing Arctic permafrost. We are now at a time in history where everyone with any insight of the climate crisis that threatens our civilization and the entire biosphere must speak out in clear language, no matter how uncomfortable and unprofitable that may be. We must change almost everything in our current societies. The bigger your carbon footprint is, the bigger your moral duty. The bigger your platform, the bigger your responsibility. And now is not the time for speaking politely or focusing on what we can or cannot say. Now is the time to speak clearly. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if the house was on fire. Because it is. If you want more information on this climate activism, one social media route of information is hashtag strike with us. Again, that's hashtag strike with us. Another resource mentioned earlier in today's show was fridaysforfuture.org, and there's also information at risingtidenorthamerica.org. Again, that's risingtidenorthamerica.org. Those websites could be especially helpful for young activists here in California's Central Valley as folks find the inspiration and courage to take a stand for what they believe in. As I mentioned in today's show earlier, this is the 20th episode of Peril and Promise, and I am your host, Pegasus. We still need co-producers and co-hosts for this and other kcbpradio.org shows for community-powered San Joaquin Valley Radio at 95.5 FM. If you'd like to get involved in local radio broadcasting here in Modesto, then please contact us at kcbpradio.org or by calling 209-353-3066. Again, the number is 209-353-3066. been listening to Peril and Promise, KCBP's half-hour show regarding environmental injustice and human recovery from health hazards in California. More information on today's show can be found at kcbpradio.org. This show is hosted by Pegasus and produced by the Peace Life Center of Modesto. Thank you for tuning in to Peril and Promise here on KCBP 95.5 FM. Our theme music of Peril and Promise is a performance by Alzara Getz of Dorothy's Melting. Mm-hmm.